You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Well, let's get our Bibles out this morning and flip them open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to continue in our series, Real Talk, and the discussion today, the text today is about anxiety. Anxiety, which really, anxiety is a demonstration of unbelief. The good news is uh, this message is for everybody in the room. So if you find yourself getting anxious about anything, you are everyone in the room. There's no one from the room that has been kept from this. There's no one in the room who doesn't struggle with this. And, And probably most people in the room found themselves in the last week anxious about something. Now, some of you as parents were anxious about whether this week would ever be over and the kids would go back to school. And uh, so we've all got lots to learn about this, but the reality is anxiety, worry, when it comes right down to it, for the follower of Jesus Christ is rooted in unbelief. So let's talk about anxiety for a couple of minutes or, or worry. Um, what are some of the symptoms? If some of these things describe you, if any of these things describe you, maybe, uh, maybe you're guilty of being an anxious person. If you find yourself sitting at home and you have feelings of panic or overwhelming sense of fear or an uneasiness, uh, maybe you have problems sleeping because your mind is always racing about things that could happen. Maybe you find yourselves with cold and sweaty hands, and, or maybe you find yourself with shortness of breath, and even find heart palpitations happening, happening in your life, or uh, just not able to stay calm, or your, your mouth is always dry, or you have numbness, or tingling, or nausea, or muscle tension, or dizziness, and, and those are just the things, or one or two, or any of those things are the things that describe the way you are. If maybe you have a sense of paralysis. You're just, I'm so thinking about the things that are coming, I'm paralyzed in, in what I may be to, able to do. Um, um, Maybe you uh, find yourself self-medicating to kind of numb things down for you or you're running off to the doctor always looking for a medication to help you feel better. Maybe you misuse alcohol or maybe you can't get through the morning without a smoke. I don't know what it is, but there are all kinds of things that are kind of the symbols or the symptoms of what anxiety might look like. Well, what are some of the causes of anxiety? Here's a few. Fear. Fear. Uh, Maybe you're uh, waiting to hear the report back from the doctor and you're filled with fear. And uh, although there's nothing you can do to change the fact, you have to wait until Thursday uh, for the result. You just find yourself, if if I worry about it, somehow that's going to be better. It doesn't accomplish anything, but you're filled with fear about something. Maybe you're filled with fear about losing a friend or losing a job or an opportunity that might not come. It could be fear. Maybe you're filled with inactivity. Some people say inactivity and, and anxiety. Yeah. When you have too much time, too much downtime, nothing to do, what do you do? You stew about things, you worry about things, you think about things, you wonder about things, and you just find yourself becoming more and more anxious. Uh, maybe there's change that's happening in your life. Maybe it's a change in a job or a change in education plans or change in your health or uh, maybe it's something more even drastic than that and, and the death of a spouse or of a close friend and, and all of a sudden this change is causing you to be filled with anxiety. 
Or maybe it's a lack of control. You thought everything was all lined up and everything was going to be fine and all of a sudden things aren't working out like that and there's this lack of control that's going on and you find yourself being anxious. Maybe it's a loss of focus. As a follower of Jesus Christ, when we become anxious, we become anxious because we lose our focus. We get our focus off of the one who is on the throne and we put our focus back on ourselves. See, anxiety and worry and all the synonyms we see that will go with that in just a minute, what it comes down to is you're not enough, God. I need to take this on myself. I can trust you for a lot of things, but I can't trust you for this thing. And so I'm taking this on for me. I'm going to set you aside. You get a pass, Lord. You get the day off today because I'm going to choose to worry and fret and wonder and... We're all guilty of it. We all find ourselves, it's a tool that Satan uses to get our eyes off of Jesus Christ and we all find ourselves caught up in it from time to time and the great news is Jesus teaches about it and he teaches about it in the Sermon on the Mount. So you got your Bibles open now. Let's stand together. We want to read from God's word and I'm going to read starting at verse 25 of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six. Here's what it says. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus speaking, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word that we hold in our hands. We thank you for this amazing teaching that, that Jesus did, that he gave to those who sat on the mountain with him that day. And Lord, as he taught them, Lord, he is teaching us, and we pray that you would give us ears to carefully listen to what your word says today. There's so much in the world that teaches about anxiety and self-help and all the rest, God, and the reality is the help is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The help is in you, God, on the throne. So give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and then God, hearts and wills to passionately live out these things, to make decisions, to live differently because of who you are and all that you've promised us. So take your word, God, work in us and through us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, Sue and I were away at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and one of the speakers said this. The words are going to come up on the screen. It says, God gives grace for today. God gives grace for today. That's why worry or anxiety is so devastating. 
because we're leaning on grace not yet available today as we worry about tomorrow. It's a great statement. It's a great thing to consider. God gives us grace for today. That's why worry and anxiety is so devastating because we're leaning on grace that's not yet available as we worry about tomorrow. So if you find yourself struggling with anxiety or fear or worry, you are every single person in the room. So as Jesus is teaching, says that he sat down and he taught them, and uh, he's going through the teaching, and we're into the last chapter of, of the Sermon on the Mount next week, and um, we're coming to the end of this, but it's an amazing teaching. And, but it's always important to understand what? To understand the context. What's the context of what Jesus is teaching them? And the context of these verses comes right out of the previous verses. Uh, Jesus has taught about having a right heart about prayer. He's taught about having a right heart about fasting. And last week, he talked about a, a right heart about your money or your stuff. And does it have you or do you have it? Who does it belong to? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You cannot serve God and money or God and mammon, God and your stuff. You can't. Because if you serve God, you will view life one way. If you serve mammon or your stuff or your, you're going to be filled with anxiety. And so what Jesus teaches here is a natural outcome of what he just talked about. And so that's the first thing about context. Here's the next thing about the context. You will notice that the word therefore appears three times. Words that are repeated in a text need to be noted. There's a reason why they're, they're like that. And so Jesus makes some transitions. And so he's just come out of this, you cannot serve God and money, statement of fact, therefore. And now he's going to teach us some of the implications that come out of even what we learned last week. Here's the next thing. The word anxious appears six times in the verses we're going to see. And so if it appears six times, there's a reason that it's there. It's an important truth. And we need to look at it, and we need to see it, and we need to seek to understand it. Here's the last thing about the context. I, I noticed this as I was reading it. Twice in this text, Jesus says, I tell you. Right at the very beginning of the passage, he says, therefore, I tell you. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, when he talked about this, he had, he had talked about, you have heard it said, and he talked about the law, but I say to you, and he talks about how he was the fulfillment of the law. Well, this is a little bit different than this. I think this is even stronger than that. So we've just gone through some teaching, and now he says, therefore, I tell you. Okay, well, wait a minute. Isn't all of it what Jesus was telling us? Well, of course it is. If you have a red letter version of the Bible, this stuff's all in red. This is all what Jesus was teaching. So I think there's an exclamation point that's being put on here. He's saying you need to sit up and listen. You cannot serve God and money. You can serve one or the other, but you can't serve both. Therefore, I'm telling you, so we need to listen, we need to sit up, we need to take note, and we need to see where God is on the throne in our lives. Therefore, I, I tell you. So that's just a little bit about the context and so in this message, I want to take a look at two things. I want God to help us as we understand this struggle that we all have with catching ourselves in anxiety, catching ourselves worrying about things, catching ourselves thinking beyond what's even happening, finding out that 99% of what we actually worry about or find ourselves frantic about never happen in our lives and understanding that this really is an unbelief 
in God's ability to take care of us. So here's the first thing. My unbelief, help my unbelief by trusting in God's providence. Help my unbelief, God, by trusting in your providence. The word anxious literally means to be distracted or choked or pulled in different directions. Synonyms for us would be worry or fretting or fearful or jittery, jittery or nervous or, or strung out. I'm strung out about all this stuff that's going on in my life. And you're always panicked about it and filled with worry. It's the stuff that you fret over. It's the stuff that makes your stomach go into knots. It gives you a, a headache or a pain in your back or in your neck. And in the Old Testament, this picture of worry, this picture of anxiety was the, the picture of, of a dog with a chew toy in its mouth and being shaken around. That was what the Old Testament Hebrew picture of it is. It's interesting when you think about worry and anxiety like that. Here I am, it's just like all the time. So you, excuse me for that. You see, you see the words in Scripture when it says, the righteous shall not be shaken. It gives us a whole different perspective for us to understand. We're not caught up in the of our lives all the time because righteous people will not be shaken. We'll get God back on the throne where he belongs. We will wrestle these things with God's help. The righteous will not be shaken. Martin Lloyd-Jones kind of summed it up in three words, this whole area of anxiety. He said, anxiety is stewing without doing. Stewing without doing. There I am, wondering. There I am, panicked. There I am, not actually doing anything. I'm not solving any problems. I'm not accomplishing anything. It's all in my head. I'm all stewing about these things, but I'm not accomplishing anything. It's like we're on a merry-go-round. It just goes around and around and around, but it, it never accomplishes anything except it demonstrates to you you're not trusting the Lord. Your eyes aren't fixed on Christ. You're not believing what he can do. And believe me, this sermon's not just for you. I wrestle with the same things. I hear about a, I gotta go and have a blood test for this, and I'm like, oh no, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And, and there's a lot of stewing without doing. Uh, you wonder about how the bills will get paid, or you wonder about the next job you'll have, or you wonder about, and anxiety is filled with stewing about things without doing anything. So in the text, Jesus gives them four pictures or four arguments that we should not get distracted into anxiety and worry. Uh, here's the first one. It's found in verse 25. A life is more than food and clothing. Life is more than food and clothing and your stuff. There's greater things than what you're stewing about right now. Uh, verse 25, back to the beginning. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so we find ourselves stewing about things. We find ourselves worrying about things. We find ourselves about what will my job be? What will my health be? Well, what will my friendships look like? What's happening in my family? We find ourselves stewing about all of those things and we forget the reality of the one who provides us life, the one who is the one who gave us the body we have, and that's God. And he's in control of those things. The one who has the power to create, the one who has the power to provide, 
And yet we somehow think, if I just can worry about this some more, something good can come out of it other than an ulcer or a nervous breakdown or a... I read this quote this week. It said, he who has displayed so great goodness as to form the body and breathe into it the breath of life will surely follow up the blessing and confer the small favor, the small favor of providing that the body be clothed and that life be preserved. God will take care of your every single need. And worrying about it isn't going to change anything. That was the first thing. Here's the second thing. We have great value to God. You find yourself filled with anxiousness. You find yourself filled with anxiety and worry, and and you forget that you have great value to God. Look at verse 26. It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God takes care of all the little birds. God takes care of all of the animals in the world. And then he says this, are you not of more value than they are? You find yourself so anxious about things and you're forgetting that God created all of us and he cares about us and he wants what's best for us. And so Jesus gives the picture. You got the little birdies flying around and God takes care of them. Don't you think he's gonna take care of you? Don't you have more value than they do? Now you understand in our world that whole thing's now being turned on its head. That everything is equal. There is no difference. It's not against God's word. We, are, we have dominion over the animals. We have dominion over those things. Don't you think you're worth more than that to God? Probably uh, 15 years ago, um, as I was serving up at the conference center that I directed, a man phoned one day we, in the summer. We had a policy at the camp that said, no pets. You couldn't bring your cat. You couldn't bring your dog. That's it, right? And... Uh, this guy gets me on the phone, and, and he said, uh, you don't understand. Said, what don't I understand? Well, my dog. And see, he's probably one of those guys who actually like, put a sweater on his dog to take it out for a walk. I, if you're one of those people, you're just weird. That's all I can say. <laughs> I still love you in Jesus' name, but you're just weird. Dog, God gave dogs a coat. So anyways, please don't come and talk to me about that afterwards, because I really don't care. He calls me, though, and he says, he says, but you don't understand. My wife and I, we don't have any kids. Our dog is like a son to us. If I could have, I would have gone right through the phone line and grabbed him by the throat. He said, what are you talking about? I couldn't, so I didn't. But rather, I said to him, sir, are you, I have a son. I said, are you saying that my son and your dog are equal. He said, well, no, I'm not saying that. I said, well, then you can't bring your pet to camp. So that was it. So <laughs> he didn't really believe it, but he wanted to bring his pet. The point is, they're animals. The point is, God cares for them. The point is, God cares for you far more than he cares for them. Uh, how do I know that? Well, here's a couple of illustrations of it. Uh, first of all, uh, you are made in the image of God. You're made to have relationship with God. The animals aren't made to have relationship with God. All dogs go to heaven was just the name of a, of a, of a movie title. It's not a truth in theology. You're made in the image of God to be in relationship with him, to seek him, to know him. Uh, here's another thing. 
Jesus Christ did not come to die for all the little birdies and the cats and the dogs and all the little animals in the world. He didn't come for them at all. He came for us. He came to die for you. Jesus Christ came because of the sin that was in the world's life, in our lives, in my life. He came and died for me. Why? Because I have great value to God. And so the Lord Jesus Christ came and he suffered on my behalf because I couldn't pay the price that was owed for the separation between me and a holy God who, whose standard was sin needs to be dealt with. I couldn't take care of it. And Jesus Christ took care of it. And then he offered all of that to me as a free gift. I couldn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. All of that. Why? Because God cares for us. If God cares for us so much that he would send his son, why do we find ourselves filled with anxiety and anxiousness and taking things on ourselves, filled with worry about things that, first of all, we can't do anything about? And, and hey, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the demonstration of God's love for you is the desire that he has to be in relationship with you and the work he did in sending his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so you could have eternal life and you couldn't earn it and you, couldn't, you didn't deserve it. It was offered to you as a gift. All you could do is receive the gift, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done and you will be saved. Church, that anxiety that you find yourself filled with, that thing that, as I talked about it today, is like, bam, right in the front of your mind. Unbelief is why that rules the roost in your life. The second point was we have great value to God. Here's the third thing is we're dependent on God. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? There's two ways that this uh, could be um, interpreted, placed into English, and both of them are fair and right. Um, it just words don't always translate exactly just one way. And so there's two ways you could look at this. One of those ways is who by worrying can add one second to their life. You don't add, you don't add one second to your life. The Lord knows the time that's going to be put on the death certificate for you right now. Worrying isn't going to change that. He knows it. And if you think, if people go, all that anxiety, they died early. God already knows that. He already knows. You can't worry yourself to a longer life. You can drink all the juices you want. You can take all the fruits you want. Or you can eat all the burgers you want. God knows exactly how much time you have. And all the worrying in the world is not going to change it by one iota. The other way the text could be translated is, by worrying, you can't add to your span. You can't get, you make yourself taller. I'm five foot 10. I want to be six foot two so that I could play on the basketball team. I can worry all day long, all year long, the rest of my life, and worry isn't going to make me one centimeter higher. It's not going to add anything. And so here, Jesus is saying to them, we're dependent on God. We're dependent on him. I can't make myself taller by worrying. I can't make my, my life go longer by worrying. So why do I worry about those things? When you're considering the health report that you are looking forward to getting back and wondering what it means, and hey, here's what you know for sure. You know for sure God knows exactly how long you're gonna be on this earth. There's nothing you're gonna do that's gonna change that. And, and by, by worrying, you're not gonna change anything. 
And so the third picture that Jesus gives that we are dependent on God, worrying about food and clothing cannot guarantee that there'll even be food or clothing tomorrow. Worry doesn't accomplish anything. Here's the fourth picture. God cares very much for you. God cares very much for you. Look at verse 28 to 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Here's the second time he says, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So even Solomon, who that was the pinnacle that they would have looked at, he had nothing compared to what God has done naturally in the lilies in the fields and God's creation and what he has made for them. And if God cares so much for them, plants that really don't do anything, they don't earn their, they just, they just grow, they just grow because God takes care of them. How much more is God taking care of us? How much more does he desire what's good and what's right for us? God cares very much for you. The lily will do what lilies do. It will grow, it will bloom, it will be beautiful. It's done by the providence of God. And God takes care of us and that's his promise for us. And so who by worrying, who by worrying can change any of those things? You who are created in the image of God, you who are designed to spend eternity with God, God cares very much for you. And look at the end of verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, Lewis says, O you of little faith. O you of little faith. Filled with doubt filled with mistrust, filled with a resistance to what God will do so much that you say, I'm taking this back, God. I'm, you obviously aren't able to handle this for me. I'm taking this one on for myself. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. God promises to care for us. God has the power to deliver that promise for us. Oh, you of little faith. As you think back to your week this past week and the things you found yourself anxious about, the things you're toiling about, the things you're stewing about, the things, and there's nothing you can do about them. You're not changing anything by doing all of that. All you're demonstrating is, Lord, you're not enough for me. You're not enough for me. I gotta take this on to myself. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus goes on and he kind of gives him a little slap, I think, here in verse 31 when he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall I eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or in the context, the heathen, the people who weren't followers of God, the Gentiles seek after all these things. That's just what the world goes after. That goes what the world is after. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And when your treasure is in the things of the world, when your treasure is in all the, you're worrying about all those things, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's what the heathen do. You're acting like a non-Christian. You're acting like a person who goes, I'm going to have to figure this out on my own because God can't help me with this. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. Here's the second point of this message. Help my unbelief by making God's will my priority. Help my unbelief by making God's will my priority. Now look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Bible doesn't say, just stop worrying. 
It doesn't just say, just don't worry. Don't worry, be happy. It doesn't say that. Jesus says, I tell you, don't be anxious. And a couple times he says it, but then you come to verse 33. And if your whole life is based around, well, I'm not supposed to be anxious. Good Christians aren't anxious. I'm not going to be anxious. Now you're worried about not being anxious and you're more anxious than you were before, right? You don't solve anxiety by trying to not be anxious. It's not going to solve anything. The answer to anxiety, the answer to worry is found in verse 33, a big but right in the middle of the text. After all of this has been said, then he says, but here's what you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and then all these things you're worried about, they're going to be taken care of. All these things will be added unto you. Dealing with anxiety, here's three words you can just write down. I'm not going to spend much time on them, but dealing with anxiety is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice to live and wallow in your anxiousness and in your anxiety. It's a choice or a choice to do what God calls you to do. It's a choice. Secondly, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. Satan wants us to take our eyes off the Lord. And the more he can get us with our eyes on our circumstances or the things we're dealing with and taking our eyes off the Lord. And so it's a choice and it's going to be a discipline to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. We're going to see some more things in just a moment of what we do in this. It's a discipline. And here's the next thing. It's work. It's work. It's not, well, I guess I'm not supposed to. So Jesus, take away the anxiety and la, 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 la. It's work. It's going to take effort. If we're going to see victory in this area in our lives where Satan is ruling and winning so often in our lives, we find ourselves out running after solution, after solution, after solution. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. You want to get this right? It's not by, I'm not going to worry. It's when I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. I'm going to seek what God has for me. I'm going to seek after what is righteous. I believe that uh, Paul deals with this in an amazing way in Philippians chapter 4. So keep your finger in Matthew chapter 6 and turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Because Paul deals with this. We dealt with this when we went through Philippians a year or so ago. You can go back in the archives and listen to the message about this if you want. Uh, I just want to zero in on a couple things here. Starting at verse 6, Philippians 4. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious. Well, that sounds familiar from what Jesus said. Paul, like, adds to it. Though. He goes, do not be anxious about anything. Seriously? About anything? Like, my kid's not doing really well right now. Spirit said, do not be anxious about anything. But, but we're having a hard time making ends meet. Um, I got this report coming back from the doctor. I... Do not be anxious about anything. Well, so I'm just not, I'm just going to sit here and will myself not to be anxious. Remember where Paul is as he's writing this. He's probably in prison as he's writing this, and he's telling us not to be anxious. We got it all figured out. We got life so easy, and we're fretting about all kinds of things. That guy's life was tied up, spent more time in prison than out of prison after he was saved. And he's sitting there writing to this church, and he goes, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. So what are you anxious about? Because your thing will be included in the anything. Whatever you find yourself fretting about, you're included in the anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And then look what he says. But, another great thing. But, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
When you find yourself filled with anxiety, it's a time to get on your knees. It's a time to come before the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything. And the way to deal with anxiety is not to try harder, it's to trust more. It's to get on your face before God in everything by prayer. On your face, calling out to God, asking him. And then here's a key in this, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Why is thanksgiving so important? Thanksgiving's important because thanksgiving requires us to look back and remember what God has done. It makes you go back and go, wow, God is so good to me. Look at, there's hundreds of things, if I was to write them all down, of God's faithfulness and his goodness and all the things he's delivered to me. And if you've got nothing else and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and on the Thanksgiving sheet, put he saved me. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And when you look back and you remember and you see God was good to me in that, we didn't know how that was going to work in our lives and God was faithful. We went through the thing with Sue's accident and look what God did. I busted up my ankle. Look what God did. We went through stuff with our kids. Look what God did. And, and you go back and you remember, you remember, you remember, you remember, you remember. And what do you do? You start to trust God. The things that you're worrying about today are like, why is that such a big deal? God's been so faithful back here. Why is he not? He's promised he's going to be with me here. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And it says there, and the peace of God. When you do this, you get the peace of God. Anxiety switch gets turned off. The pressures, the fear, the wondering, the, I'm going to trust the Lord. Because if it doesn't turn out like I think it's going to, who cares? Because God's in control of this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then look at verses 8 and 9. And then finally, brothers, he says, get your focus on these things. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. See, we worry in anxiety about things we don't know. We don't know what the end are. We don't know if they're true or they're not. We're focused on things that may or may not happen. Whatsoever thing is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, the example of others. Practice these things and what? And the God of peace will be with you. You want the peace of God? You want the God of peace? You want deliverance from anxiety and fear and worry? It comes when we cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. When I come to him, crying out to him, Lord, you're going to have to take care of this. I can't take care of this. But here's all the things I've seen you've done. You've been so faithful to me, and you'll watch anxiety dwindle away and hope spring up in your life. Need a few more verses to hang on? Just write down these references. Psalm 23 is an amazing passage to think about in the context of anxiety. But verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no matter how hard it's going to be, I'm not going to fear any evil, for you are with me. Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord. What's the thing? As I talked about anxiety, as I talked about worry, it was like right in the front of your mind. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word 
I praise in God, I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. That's the problem with worry. We're all thinking about our own stuff and how we're going to work this out. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. His faithfulness, his goodness, his promise to go with you and he will make your path straight. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Colossians 3.15, and let decision, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's not about trying harder. It's not about saying I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to have anxiety. It's about fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. It's about coming to him in prayer. It's a decision to give thanks to God for his goodness and his faithfulness. And Lord, no matter what happens down the road, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Hey, anxiety and worry has some friends. Has some friends. They go hand in hand. Um, here's a five real quick. Um, anger. Anger is a good friend of anxiety. You find yourself anxious. You're at work and the pressure's on and you're all filled with anxiety. You come home and you kick the cat and you yell at your kids and you're short with your wife and all of it, all of that anger, all of it's all coming out of the anxiety that you're filled with. Here's another one, self-pity. Woe is me. Woe is me. My life is so hard. Why me? Why me? And and when you're filled with anxiety, you're filled with self-pity. Here's the third one. When you're filled with anxiety, you end up being filled with envy. You look around and you go, why can't my life be like Jerry Bolton's? That guy doesn't have a care in the world doesn't have any problems. His wife is perfect. Everything's just wonderful for him. And you start looking around and comparing yourself and you become filled with envy. It's a friend of anxiety. You become self-righteous. You become self-righteous. Lord, this is not, Lord, I'm better than this. I deserve more than this. How about this? You just, you just dump on others. You dump on others. You're filled with all of this and you want everybody to know how tough your life is and you go around telling them and when you leave the room, they're like, where did that come from? Like, that's just depressing to be with that person. Let me say this as carefully and as gently as I know, but when we worry, what we're really saying is that in this particular case, in this thing, I deem that God is irrelevant I deem that he can't meet my need. And therefore, I'm going to put a whole lot of energy into worrying and being anxious and trusting in myself and, because, God, you can't do it. He doesn't really apply here. God, I'll be back later for something smaller, but this thing in my life, i got to take care of this on my own. In everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the thing you find yourself so anxious about is because you're putting yourself on the throne. You're trying to deal with it and you're failing. 
And God has a solution for you. We need to take his solution, as we've seen from Philippians 4 and Matthew chapter 6. We're really saying, in my case, the love of God the Father doesn't apply. We're really saying the, the work of Jesus Christ isn't enough. We're really saying the fellowship of the Holy Spirit can't meet my need. And God is saying, I'll give you everything you need for everything that comes in your life. But you have to trust me. You have to believe. Well, so what? Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Well, that's true. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I want to make something really clear. I don't want you to misunderstand something here. Jesus is not teaching anywhere in Scripture that we don't prepare for tomorrow. I know one of the small groups had some discussion about that out of the message from last week where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You cancel God in money and... We prepare for tomorrow. Uh, this message that I'm preaching today, I didn't start working on this because I had to preach it last night, yesterday morning, because I was like, well, don't worry about tomorrow. So just, you know, just start your preparation on Saturday because you got to deliver on Saturday night. So talking about that, right? This message was started to be prepared months and months and months ago when the elders approved us preaching through a Real Talk series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, these notes were with me as I was away, when Sue and I were away, uh, both for the pastors and wives retreat when I was in Europe. I've been working on this message with every message for weeks. Next week's message has been being worked on for two or three weeks now. Uh, the Easter series has been worked on for months now. It's, all, it's, we don't, it's not that you don't get ready for tomorrow. It's not saying that. Here's the illustration of it that would be clear for you to understand. It's like the farmer who, who, who in the spring is like, I, I'm not going to till the field. I'm not going to put any seed down. Because there might be a storm in June. There might be a tornado. There might be a hurricane. The crop might be destroyed. And therefore, I'm not going to do anything because of what might happen. That's called being anxious. No, he tills the soil. He puts the seed in. And then he leaves it. And he allows God to work. And so, the, Jesus is not saying ever, repeat after me, not. He's not saying not to prepare for the future. He's saying don't worry about the future. Don't be anxious about the future. Do your part and let it go and trust that God will work in it. Don't try to go into tomorrow and do what belongs to tomorrow. You deal with today. Today has enough problems of its own. You focus on that and watch how God will work. Don't be anxious. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so Jesus, as he's teaching them about what's important and where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, and you can't serve God and money. And then he turns and he goes, don't, don't be anxious about these things. Get your eyes fixed on God. Believe he's going to take care of you. He has promised it. He's demonstrated it to you all the way through your life in Christ. He's demonstrated his goodness. You trust him. You trust in God's providence. And then you make doing what God says. You make that your priority. It's a choice. It's a discipline. It's hard work. But God will provide enough grace for everything that you need. See, back to that statement Sue and I heard at the conference. God gives grace for today. That's all he's promised the grace for. God will give you grace for today. That's why worry is so devastating. Because we're leaning on grace that's not yet available today as we worry about tomorrow. 
So we started to talk about anxiety and worry and fear and what will you do as a result of what you've heard from God's word today? Will you come before him and go, Lord, I've, I've pushed you right off the throne on this. I've decided that you're not important. I've decided I'm going to be the king of my castle. And God, it's not working for me because I'm not sleeping at night. I'm worrying about things. My health's not good. All those things are, are building up in me. And Lord, today I'm changing. I'm going to seek first your kingdom. I want what you want. I'm going to start making a list of all of the things you've been good to me about, all of your faithfulness, and I'm going to pray those things before you, and I'm going to trust you for the thing that's in my life, and I'm going to believe God's going to do it. Casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Satan desires to tear us down by making us anxious about the most ridiculous things that virtually never happen taking our eyes off the Lord, worrying about ourselves, fretting about so many things. God helping us. Let's get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Not looking for our agenda, not looking for our end game, looking for what God wants for his glory, for the fame of our Savior, Jesus Christ, working in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this clear teaching of Jesus Christ. Uh, there'll be people in the room, I know, who are going to wrestle with this. They're going to be, no, 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 but I need to do, I need to do this uh, medication. I need to do this diet. I need to do this. And Lord, they're not fixing their eyes on you. And they're wondering why they're still fearful. And they're wondering why they're still anxious. And, and your, your word says some things. We cast our cares upon you because you care for us. You care about the, the little birds. You care about the, the lilies. You, you know about the length of our life. Lord, you know all of those things are all in your hand. They're all in your providence. They're all in your care. And the worrying changes nothing except it shows that we don't trust you. Lord, give us courage to get on our faces before you, to cry out to you, and to, to uh, renew and reveal and to make a list of all the things you've been so good to us. And trust you, God, for the future, God. Would you do this work for your glory, for the fame of Jesus Christ in our lives? We pray these things.